welcome to Conspiracy to Murder, where I talk about weird and questionable deaths. Was it really an accident or natural causes, or was foul play involved? Stay tuned for my take on what I think really happened. This week, I'll be talking about Natalie Wood. Natalie Wood was born as Natalia Zakarenko in San Francisco, California on July 20th, 1938. Her parents were Russian immigrants Nikolai and Maria. As a child, her mother frequently took her to the movies, encouraging her to become an actress. She used to tell Natalie that the cameraman who pointed his lens out at the audience at the end of the Paramount newsreel was taking her picture. Shortly after Natalie was born, her family moved to Santa Rosa. While there, she was noticed by a film crew downtown. She ended up getting a 15-second scene in Happy Land in 1943 and attracted the attention of director Irving Pichel. He asked her mother to bring Natalie to Los Angeles for a screen test, so her mother packed up the whole family and moved. After moving, she got the part in Tomorrow is Forever in 1946, opposite Orson Welles and Claudette Colbert at age 7. Apparently, she couldn't cry on cue, so her mother ripped up a butterfly in front of her. That sounds terrifying. Wells had said that Natalie was a born professional and that she was, quote, so good she was terrifying. Her biggest known film as a child came at age 8 in Miracle on 34th Street, 1947. This earned her a spot among the top child stars in Hollywood, and Macy's even invited her to appear in the annual Thanksgiving Day Parade. She appeared in several other films as a child, way too many to name, but at age nine, she had been named, quote, the most exciting juvenile motion picture star of the year by Parents Magazine. Geez, that's a flippin' mouthful. That's also a lot of pressure for a child. At the age of 16, she starred in one of her most famous films, Rebel Without a Cause, alongside James Dean. This movie actually earned her an Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actress. After graduating high school in 1956, she signed a contract with Warner Brothers. They kept her busy for the remainder of the decade with several girlfriend roles, which she found unsatisfying. As she reached adulthood, her childlike sweetness was starting to fade. After filming Kings Go Forth in 1958, Natalie started refusing roles, leading Warners to suspend her. She appeared in a box office flop and lost momentum. It was clear that her career was transitioning from child or teenage roles to adult roles. At this point, she was considered washed up, but she refused to quit. Her career rebounded with Splendor in the Grass in 1961 alongside Warren Beatty. Her performance earned her nominations for the Academy Award, Golden Globe, and BAFTA Award for Best Actress in a Leading Role. Another notable role was West Side Story in that same year. Natalie did all her own dancing, but her singing was done by Broadway performer Marnie Nixon. Even though Natalie didn't sing, it's still regarded as one of her best films. In 1964, Natalie received her third Academy Award nomination for Love with the Proper Stranger at the age of 25, making her the youngest person to get three Oscar nominations. Later in her career, she suffered emotionally and sought professional therapy. 
she even paid Warner Bros. $175,000 to cancel her contract, and she fired her entire support team. Looking at the themes of a lot of her movies, they deal with her character's sexuality or sexual liberation. While I'm not sure if she was able to choose her roles in films or not, I think her experience as a young teenager might have influenced these roles. At the age of 16, Natalie was raped by a powerful actor. That person remained unnamed because her mother had taught her politics in Hollywood and warned her about crossing a powerful movie star. In December 1957, when Natalie was just 18 years old, she married actor Robert Wagner, who was eight years her senior. In 1961, they publicly announced their separation and divorced in April 1962. Following this, she dated other big names such as Warren Beatty, Michael Caine, and Elvis Presley. Throughout this time, Natalie had years of therapy, but she had reached a deep despair in 1966. She had attempted to kill herself by drug overdose that year. She took time for herself and her mental health and took a break from making movies. In May 1969, Natalie married British producer Richard Gregson. Together, they had a daughter, Natasha, in 1970. This marriage also did not last. Natalie filed for divorce in August 1971, and it was finalized in April 1972. And before this was finalized, Natalie resumed her relationship with Wagner. They remarried the following July. The couple had a daughter, Courtney, in 1974. Her sister described the relationship as loving and devoted. They both had overcome each other's problems and were determined to make a long marriage work. And their relationship brings me to the tragedy of her untimely death. Natalie died on November 29, 1981, at the age of 43. She was making the film Brainstorm and had taken a weekend boat trip to Santa Catalina Island on her husband's yacht, Splendor. Along with the couple was Natalie's co-star, Christopher Walken. Here's where things get questionable and the conspiracies come into play. Authorities know she drowned, but they're not sure how she got in the water. The autopsy revealed that she had bruises on her body and arms, as well as an abrasion on her left cheek, but no indication of how or when the injuries occurred. Wood, Wagner, and Walken had all been drinking the evening of November 28th. The captain had stated Natalie and Robert were arguing that evening. Robert had initially denied this, but later admitted to having an argument with Natalie before she disappeared. The topic of this argument has been debated, but Natalie was allegedly flirting with Walken and Robert was jealous and enraged. The captain of the yacht alleged that Robert continued the argument with Natalie in their room. He claimed to have heard someone untying the dinghy before Robert returned, quote, tussled and sweating profusely. Another speculation, which Robert detailed in the 1986 book Heart to Heart with Robert Wagner, he and Walken were engaged in a, quote, political debate, and that Natalie had grown bored by the conversation, opting to go to bed. Robert's theory is that Natalie couldn't sleep because the dinghy was banging against the side of the yacht, so she went outside to tighten the line. In doing so, she fell and hit her head. In my opinion, this is the most bogus excuse I could possibly think of. Really? She got irritated by a noise and fell overboard trying to make it stop? 
In his statement to the police, however, this recollection differed. He originally admitted to having an argument with Natalie about her extended time away from the family. All of these inconsistencies led to several conspiracies about what really happened that night. The main conspiracy is that Robert had a hand in Natalie's death. When Robert came back from, quote, checking on his wife and reported her missing, the captain alleged that Robert had prevented him from turning on the searchlights and notifying authorities when they noticed Natalie was missing. The L.A. County coroner ruled her death to be accidental drowning and hypothermia. He believed that because she was under the influence of alcohol, a motion sickness pill, and a painkiller, she slipped while trying to reboard the dinghy that had been found beached near her body. Her sister disputed this, stating Natalie was terrified of water all her life and couldn't swim. At this point, the case had been closed because there was no more information present. In November 2011, the case was reopened after the captain publicly stated that he lied to police during the initial investigation. Walken hired a lawyer, cooperated with the investigation, and was never considered a suspect. In 2012, the L.A. County Chief Coroner amended Natalie's death certificate, changing the cause of death to, quote, "...drowning and other undetermined factors." This document clearly stated that they weren't sure how she ended up in the water, but they suspected it was not an accident. In January 2014, the L.A. County Coroner's Office offered a 10-page addendum to the autopsy report. This suggested that they believe Natalie sustained the bruises on her body before she went in the water, but it couldn't be definitively proven. In February 2018, Robert was named a person of interest in the ongoing investigation. He has denied any involvement, but the police have stated that they know he was the last person to see her alive. At a press conference the same month, the Los Angeles Homicide Department said they identified new witnesses with relevant information, and from this, a different timeline of Natalie's final hours on the boat emerged. At this point, Robert is 90 years old, and he's no longer interested in talking to the police. I feel like the only way Robert gets out of being charged for Natalie's murder is if he dies. Pretty much all evidence points to him. Fast forward to 2020, Dr. Michael Franco, a medical doctor and former intern of the L.A. County Coroner, stated that Natalie's bruising was substantial and fitting for someone thrown out of a boat. Natalie had, quote, friction burns on the outside of her shins and thighs, which went the opposite direction of someone trying to get in a boat. Dr. Franco said Natalie would have had to have been pushed forcefully off or drug into the water to get those burns on her legs. Apparently, Dr. Franco stated those observations to the leading coroner at the time, who reacted strangely as if he was involved in a cover-up. According to Dr. Franco, the coroner said, quote, some things are best left unsaid. Dude, no, they're not. You're investigating a possible murder. You should report all of your evidence. I don't care how famous the person is. After looking at all of the information, I believe this conspiracy that Robert is directly responsible for Natalie's death. He has enough money, power, and connections to cover up the truth. He has the ability to spin any story he wants. I definitely don't think it was premeditated or anything like that. 
I think it was a crime of passion over who knows what. It seems the general consensus is that there was a heated argument between Robert and Natalie, and Robert could have snapped. Let me know what you think. Do you think Natalie slipped, or do you think Robert had something to do with her death? Thank you for listening to Conspiracy to Murder, where I talk about weird and questionable deaths. Was it really an accident or natural causes, or was foul play involved? Mm-hmm.